I can do this all day. It's harmless phosphorescence. Everybody, this is Throw Smiley, and I'm probably a weather balloon. Who's joining me this week? I'm Josh CC, and um, is it too late to go to the bathroom? Who'll hang a noose on the goose stepping goose from Berlin? It's me, Brian Lesh. I'm Alaric Weber, and I can do this for one twelfth of the day. <laughs> That's a very specific amount of time. That's two hours. <laughs> and accurate. Uh, and this is Harmless Phosphorescence. It's the podcast where we watch every theatrically released full-length live-action superhero movie ever made. We gather some research into the production and source material, then we tell you all about it. This show is brought to you by our patrons. Patrons like executive producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett, and you can be a patron too. Just go to patreon.com slash harmlessentertainment. We got lots of bonus content there. We got a Star Wars miniseries, holiday shows, music shows. We got shows coming at you every week, and for a buck a month, you can get in on some of that uh, extra goodness. This week, however, on Harmless Phosphorescence, we are watching Captain America, the first Avenger. Rogers, Steven. Just give me a chance. Sorry, son. I'm saving your life. General Patton has said that wars are fought with weapons, but they are won by men. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. Our goal is to create the greatest army in history. I should be going with you. Look, I know you don't think I can do this. This but... isn't a back alley, Steve. It's war. Every army begins with one man. Five tries in five different cities. I can offer you a chance. He will be the first in a new breed of super soldiers. Why me? Because the weak men lose the value of strength, lose the value of power. That wasn't so bad. That was penicillin. We are going to win this war because we have the best men. Now, Mr. Stark. They will personally escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. Captain America, the first Avenger, 
Rated PG-13, released July 22nd, 2011, running time of 124 minutes. It cost $216 million, and it brought in $370 million. So it was a pretty big hit. It was not, um, it didn't do as well as Thor, Iron Man, or Iron Man 2, although it did better than uh, The Incredible Hulk. This uh, movie was released just six weeks after Thor. Wow. Yeah. Um, they just, boom, one on top of the other. They really wanted to hit that up for you. Um, and, you know, speaking of the box office, guys, do you think it's time that we play the box office top 10 game? <laughs> yes, this is the game. It's always time. It's, <laughs> it's always time. This is the game where we will uh, count down the top 10 uh, movies of the week of July 22nd, 2011. I'll describe each one using only the box office mojo description. And the guys here are going to try to guess it. Um, we're kind of, there's no point really ever pretending that uh, an MCU movie didn't open at number one. So we'll, we'll just kind of uh, skip that part here and we'll... Uh, I know you said six weeks. Isn't Th- Is Thor still in the mix? It's in not the in the top one? 10 anymore. Okay. It is in the top 20. Cool. So, um, but yeah, no, Thor won't be on the top 10 list this week. Uh, and in fact, I know we had discussed before, because we, we had, there were a bunch of 2011 films, and there's going to be years where these movies are coming out fast between each other. So um, when need be, we're going to be uh, kind of skipping through the top 20, or uh, possibly just doing uh, opening ones for the uh, week. Um, cool. But uh, this week we do have mostly new movies that we haven't dis- that uh, weren't on previous ones, so we kind of lucked out. So we're just going to kind of start at a. Uh, well, the tenth movie is one that was uh, open previously, but it's the only one, and that's the uh, Woody Allen movie. Yeah. We've been talking about the last few episodes, Midnight in Paris. So we'll skip over that one. Um, but uh, um, let's see. Just real quickly, opening up against. Captain America, we have, um, I'll run through these these ones here, um, at number 81, opening this week, Chef Ferran Idria spends half the year making new culinary creations for his restaurant. Only half. Only half. The chef who orders in? <laughs> it's called El Bully, Cooking in Progress. <laughs> Like, change the title, they could have gotten like 67 or something. Right? Uh, um, speaking of 67, opening at number 67 this week, um, four young people navigate the suburban wonderland of Metro Detroit looking for love and adventure on the last oh. weekend of summer. Is it Roller Boogie? No. It's not. Well, one of them, there was, I think I have the wrong name, but there was one that came out around then that was actually really good. Boogie Roller. <laughs> yeah. Um, any guesses, Al? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> Roll bounce. Uh, it's called The Myth of the American Sleepover. There's, <laughs> I you were really close, Josh, on both of those. Yeah, both. Um, <laughs> opening at number 47... 
A woman gets entangled in a series of bizarre lies in order to take care of herself and her 12-year-old son. <laughs> hmm. It's called... Um, any, any guesses? I'm sorry, what was the description again? A woman gets entangled in a series of bizarre lies in order to take care of herself and her 12-year-old son. Oh... Oh, I don't. Um, hmm. I've never heard of this, um, oh. and I don't recognize the uh, the actress on the cover. At least not from this. having it all. <laughs> that's actually, you know, a fairly. That's that's not too far off. It's called a little having some a, of it. A little help. Oh, that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, a, a little, little help. help. Um, number forty. Uh. <laughs> Opening this week at number 40. Uh, on the night of the discovery of a duplicate Earth in the solar system, an ambitious young student and an accomplished composer cross paths in a tragic accident. Another oh. Earth? Yes! Another, another Earth? Earth! Yeah, that's it. Oh, my God. Uh, you get another point. How did uh, Captain America win? planet. <laughs> yeah, over another earth. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Um all right, <laughs> we got we got two more opening this week before we get to the box office top 10. At number 37, in modern day Paris, a journalist finds her life becoming entwined with a young girl whose family was torn apart during the notorious Ville de Vive. I said that completely wrong, I'm sure. Roundup in 1942. Um Forget Paris. <laughs> uh, this is called. Oh my God, El Sapale El El Sapale Sarah. It's something French. It's a French word. I yeah, I assume it's pronounced. You, 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 you that's French. Yeah, you had an Italian accent for a moment. Your French is getting better, though. Oh, thank you. Never forget Paris. Never forget. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the tragic day of October 10th. (laughs) Remember, remember. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. And our final one opening up against uh, Captain America this week at number 33. A truly honest police officer is transferred (laughs) to a town controlled by a gangster he has humiliated. The gangster believes he can use good power to bring down this officer who made him look foolish and weak. <laughs> My blue heaven. <laughs> um, it's called Singham. Hmm. Yeah. No, not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, at coming in at number nine this week in the box office top ten. A lazy, incompetent middle school teacher who hates her job, her students, and her co-workers is forced to return to teaching to make enough money for breast implants after her wealthy fiancé dumps her. Bad teacher? Bad teacher. Yeah, was this the first of that, like, 2000s, like, bad thing series of movies? Yeah, now there's Bad Santa, Bad Moms, Bad Moms Christmas, but yeah. Was Bad Teacher oh, yeah, the first, was... or was Bad Santa the first? Well, Bad Santa was the 
first, and I think in title only. He made mm-hmm. his own kind of movie there. Yeah. But yeah, Cameron Diaz, I believe. Yeah, Cameron Diaz. Um, opening at number eight. Okay. Um, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to leave out some uh, some some uh, proper nouns here so you don't guess this. While searching for a treat, <laughs> a creature and his friends embark on an adventure to find somebody's missing tail and rescue a human from an unknown monster called the Baxon. Over the Hedge? No. <laughs> it's a more classic IP. Hmm. Shrek 5. <laughs> it, it up. It was originally, it was adapted from a series of books. Homeward Bound 7. animals aren't great with direction it stars a creature that wears only a shirt and no pants that could be anybody Um, Donald Duck (laughs) uh, it's Winnie the Pooh apparently this one's just called Winnie the Pooh there's no like it's his origin story Winnie (laughs) the Pooh the Baxen Slayer (laughs) Baxen where where does uh, Baxen live in the uh, pantheon of like heffalumps and woozles uh, well, heffalumps and woozles are are definitely way uh, more dangerous than Baxons. Well, and it's his origin, so like we see him fall into a vat of honey. Yes, <laughs> and he comes out. <laughs> Mirror. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Baxon is played by uh, Jay Z because you know he's he said I'm Baxon. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Coming in at number seven, uh, a star racer and his pal head overseas to compete in a race, but the road to the championship becomes rocky as his sidekick gets caught up in an intriguing adventure of international espionage. Is that a Fast and Furious movie? No. Oh. Speed Racer? No. This movie is the most insane sequel given what the first movie was about. It kind of ramped up. It is a sequel. It's a number two. Um, It did kind of ramp up in the same way that the Fast and Furious movies ramped up, but it did it much faster than they did. They took like four or five. Gone in 15 seconds. (laughs) What if that was a countdown? Gone in 60 seconds. Then there's gone in 59 (laughs) seconds. Gone in 58 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> was never here at all. Yeah, um, Nick Cage would be into that. Yeah, not uh, being anything. This is um, a Pixar movie. Oh, Cars Two. Cars Two. Yes. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> there's a there's a car Pope in this movie, which yeah. indicates the existence of a car Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the car world. Who was crucified by car Romans? <laughs> It's a show of force. Anyways, coming in at number six. Oh, a group of zoo animals decide to break their code of silence. <laughs> I'm going to mute them. <laughs> Josh can't. <laughs> Still it was a voluntary code of silence, so they're Tibetan monks. Got in order to help their lovable zookeeper find romance. With oh my god, Paul Blart was in this. Yes, he was. <laughs> um talking talking zoo. <laughs> it's 
It's Zookeeper. Not the Zookeeper, just Zookeeper. Do you ever have the feeling that no Kevin James movie had a meeting beforehand? <laughs> no. He showed Somebody up. left a message on his machine. You're a mall cop. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. You're a Zookeeper. Uh, all right. I mean, it's it's the same as with Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, coming in at number five this week. A group of aliens learn of a rival group of alien spacecraft hidden on the moon and race against them to reach it and learn its secrets. <laughs> cars 3. <laughs> Space cars. <laughs> Space cars. <laughs> Those are ships. <laughs> um, as a hint, um, let's see. We... Uh, as a hint, these aliens are not carbon-based. Well, I mean, they may be, but they're not organic aliens. Are they digital like aliens? Cylon type thing? Monsters versus aliens. No. It is Transformers Dark of the Moon. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Um... Coming in at number four, three friends conspire to murder murder their awful bosses when they realize they are standing in the way of their happiness. Horrible, horrible bosses. bosses. Yes, yeah. indeed. I like that movie. Yeah. Oh, Charlie. Um. Yeah. Okay. Coming in. Oh, opening this week at number three. Ah. Uh, this is okay. This is one of those where they made where there were two movies made that seemed like the exact same movie, <laughs> but they came out within a few months of each other. Like the asteroid, yeah, like Dante's Peak, yeah, and, and volcano, yeah. and okay. sudden Im- or the uh, yeah, yep, sudden impact, yeah. Um, so, um, all right, a young man and woman decide to take their friendship to the next level without becoming a couple, but soon discover that adding sex only leads to complications. Friends with Benefits? Yeah, Mia, yeah. Mila Kunis and uh, Justin Timberlake. Mm, Wasn't adorable. there one with uh, what was what's the face punked guy and Natalie Portman? Yeah. That was the same movie? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, that was it. That was it. Um, all right. Uh, coming in at number two. Yeah. Um, three friends. Sir, God, how the hell do I? Okay. Three friends search for an evil guy's secret in their effort to destroy him as a final battle rages at their school. Was this the last Harry Potter movie? <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Yeah, that was that was tough. Poor Crux Adventure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and number one this week, Steve Rogers, a rejected military soldier, transforms into Captain America after taking a dose of a, in quotes, super soldier serum. <laughs> yeah, because it's commonplace. Now. <laughs> but being Captain America comes at a price as he attempts to take down a warmonger and a terrorist organization. Oh, oh, Al's back. Is it working? How, how's that connection working for you, Al? 
Well, it sounds good right now, but give it five seconds. Okay. I, I will. I'll give it five <laughs> seconds. Uh, we'll wait till Josh finds the one ring which he dropped. <laughs> I might. It might take me a minute, but I can hear you <laughs> talk if I want. <laughs> okay. Well, do, are, do you want to try moving on, Al, or do you, are we? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. What were we up to? Number uh, four. Oh no, <laughs> we finished up the top ten. Do you want? Do you want to? You want to ADR some jokes in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, how about what are you doing here? There was one about a boy and his dog. So if you got any boy and dog jokes, that was good. There, there. Oh, oh, we had Kevin James. Kevin James was in a movie. I heard that. I heard yeah. that zookeeper. Yeah, yeah. There was also another Kevin James movie with no. uh, where he was a young pope. <laughs> it was called. Pope too. Was it was he a Pope car? <laughs> it was called Paul Blart <laughs> Mall Pope. <laughs> mall Pope. There was one with like a mall Santa, but yeah. the Pope. There's a movie that's basically just Justin Timberlake fucks Mila Kunis. <laughs> like that's the plot. Yeah, I've seen that one. On yeah, the send me a link, please. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then of course Cap was first. Um, should we? Uh, which uh, so that's our that's our uh, box office top ten for the week, which brings us to the character and comic book background. Al, talk to us, <laughs> wash I'll try. us, wash us in your your Al knowledge. Comics, Steve Rogers, Captain America, <laughs> created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. First appeared in Captain America Comics number one, dated March 1941, published by Timely Comics, which would later evolve into Marvel. Uh, Captain America was a consciously political creation in that uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby uh, were morally repulsed uh, by the actions of Nazi Germany. Kirby fought, right? I don't know. Um, Kirk, Stanley, uh, both served. I Kirk, think, I think yeah. Kirby and Simon both served. And Simon didn't dig that deep. Yeah, cool. Um, the The first issue, dated March of 1941, was actually on sale December of 1940, a year before Pearl Harbor. Uh, the cover of the first issue depicted Captain America punching Adolf Hitler. Fun. <laughs> it is. Um, uh, yeah. Can I just briefly also do you have anything more on that? On that, uh, that particular on the, comic or that particular uh uh um cover of him punching Hitler? Uh, no, go ahead. Um so all right, this was 1941. This was pre-Pearl Harbor. America had a lot of actual Nazis, like people yeah, and commerce with them. Yeah, yeah, and but there were like groups who were like just openly like pro-Nazi, not in the way today's oh, groups are openly yeah. pro-Nazi, but like openly pro-Nazi of like, hey, Hitler's cool and all, and we're going to wear the swastikas and we think yeah. we should have our own National Socialist Party here in America. Well, uh, what was his name? George Lincoln Rockwell? Yeah. yeah. The leader of the U.S. National Socialist Party? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, there were a lot, their headquarters were on Long Island. 
Um, and there were, and Jack Kirby and Joe Simon were in were in New York, so um, they got a lot of death threats to the point where the FBI gave them um, because of this cover, this Captain America punching Hitler cover. Yes, um, yeah. they got death threats because of that specifically to the point where the FBI um, gave them armed guards. And in fact, one day Jack Kirby yes. got a call say, yes, saying, I did read that. Yeah. "Yeah, saying come out and fight us." We're waiting and for you did. outside. And he went outside and was disappointed because there were no Nazis there. To punch. Yeah. It's like when Buzz Aldrin cold cocked that dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The moon guy. Yeah. The moon Followed denier. him everywhere. Yeah. Finally, he had had it. Yeah. So anyway. His ass out. Yeah. So, the moon is real. So, sorry to step on your toes, <laughs> Al. There was a previous patriotically themed superhero named The Shield. Uh, from MLJ, which is now Archie Comics. MLJ issued a complaint that uh, Cap's original triangular shield uh, too much resembled their character's chest symbol. In response, Cap's shield was changed to the now iconic round shield for issue number two. Stanley Lieber, now better known as Stan Lee, had his first professional fiction writing task in issue number three of Captain America, in which he introduced the use of the shield as a returning throwing weapon. The original run of Captain America sold nearly one million copies per month. Wow. With the decreasing interest in superheroes following the war, the Captain America comic book was discontinued in 1950. There was a short-lived revival in 1953, then a full revival of the character in 1964. March of 1964, that is, in uh, The Avengers number 4, in which it was explained that near the end of World War II, 1945, Cap had fallen from an experimental drone plane into the North Atlantic and spent decades frozen in a block of ice. Rogers would continue in a role of leadership for the Avengers for a long time. Subsequent publications of Tales of Suspense, which was later retitled Captain America, revisited Cap's origin and featured war-era adventures with sidekick Bucky Barnes. Stephen Rogers was born in Manhattan's Lower East Side in 1920 to poor Irish immigrants by 1940 steve was a tall scrawny fine arts student and a comic book artist and writer huh rogers attempts to enlist in the u.s army to fight nazis but is rejected due to his frail body his persistence however attracts the attention (laughs) of general chester phillips tommy lee jones and receives a super soldier serum from dr joseph yosef Reinstein, which was retroactively changed to a code name for Abraham Erskine, Stanley Tucci. The super serum enhanced Steve's strength, speed, stamina, agility, and mental processing. It also Hmm. grants him accelerated healing and immunity to disease and toxins. Cap is a master tactician, strategist, strategist, hmm, and... Field commander, um, General Chester Phillips, 
Uh, they called him a colonel in this. Um, <clears throat> Probably to he put him. He was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. First appeared in Tales of Suspense number sixty-three, March of nineteen sixty-five. Uh, Red Skull, Johann Schmidt. Uh, the Red Skull first appeared in Captain America comics number one. Though at that time his name was George Maxon, owner of the Maxon Aircraft Company, and he <laughs> wore a skull mask. It wasn't his real skull. Uh, decades later, it was revealed that Maxon was merely a pawn of the real Red Skull, Johann Schmidt, who first appeared in Captain America number seven, October of 1941. With his grotesque skull mask, Red Skull was the poster boy of Nazi intimidation and protege of Adolf Hitler. Red Skull was an impetus for the U.S. to create their own propaganda hero in Captain America. Near the end of the war, Skull has a fight with Cap that results in the permanent horrific disfigurement of his face, as well as Red Skull's own suspended animation due to experimental gases. At one point, Red Skull stole the Cosmic Cube and hijinks ensued. As they do. He's a genius level intellect. Ah, God damn, where's my pipe? Do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, and scientist, uh, expert military leader, and at some point inhabits a cloud, inhabits a cloned body of Captain America, uh, and also gets powers of telepathy and astral projection. Did I mention he was a genius level intellect? Okay. Uh, Margaret Elizabeth Peggy Carter debuted unnamed in Tales of Suspense number 75, March of 66. A Lee Kirby joint uh, received her name two issues later. A love interest of Cap in the 40s, she was a member of the French Resistance. Peggy joined up with S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 60s. And she would maintain a friendship with Captain America upon his reemergence and later join the support staff at Avengers Mansion. Peggy is the aunt of Sharon Carter, another love interest of Steve Rogers. Uh, keep it in the family, as Anthrax says. <laughs> <laughs> James Buchanan Bucky Barnes. Sidekick to Captain America. Uh, he was there from the beginning in Captain America Comics, number one. Bucky and Steve met in the Army, not in New York. Uh, when Bucky <laughs> discovers that Steve is actually Captain America, Steve decides to train him. Wait. And things go great from there. Uh, more to follow on Bucky at a later date. At a later I didn't date. know Cap's identity was ever secret. Yeah. Howard and... It was secret identity for the Howard Anthony Walter Stark first appeared in Iron Man number 28, August of 1970, created by Archie Goodwin and Don Heck. Uh, he's Iron Man's dad. Timothy Aloysius Cadwallader, Dum Dum Dugan. What a name. Uh, first yeah. appeared in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos number one. May of 1963, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And uh, Gabriel Gabe Jones, same stats as Dum Dum. Um, same, same, yeah, same first issue. 
James Montgomery Fallsworth. Uh, he was that British guy that we saw. Introduced in The Invaders, number seven, July of 1976, created by Roy Thomas and Frank Robbins, known as the British operative Union Jack, operational in both world wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, Sir, not appearing in this film, Baron Zemo, who was implicit in the drone plot that resulted in Captain America's disappearance. That's all I got. All right. Thank you, Al, for <laughs> the, uh, the comic yeah. book history there. Uh, that brings us to the uh, film production itself. So um, we're going way back to the 40s. Um, the uh, very first... Um, Captain America was the very first Marvel character on screen in yes. the the uh, Captain America shorts uh, serials, which uh, aired over a couple years, about 1944, they ended. Um, those are available free on YouTube if anyone wants to watch them. Um, they, uh, they come to about three hours long. So <laughs> it's, uh, there's, there's some stuff in there. Um, Captain- does he punch Hitler? Uh, I think he probably does. I don't know. I haven't watched him. Um, so, we'll watch uh, it later. yeah, together. <laughs> we'll snuggle up. A um, future date. Yeah. <laughs> a future, not a past date. Um, right, so, uh, in 1979, there was a Captain America made for TV movie in that Steve Rogers, um, was an artist who traveled around the country living in his van until after an assassination attempt. (laughs) um, He was given the super soldier serum by the army because... Wait, they tried to assassinate... An artist. Steve Rogers? An artist? Steve Rogers, the artist... Living in his van? Traveling around living in his van, yes. Yeah, is assassination... Yeah, is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. Someone just, killing a, someone just tried. A painter. Someone just tried to murder a homeless vagrant. Is what happened. Right, murder is what we call it. Yeah, just a painter. Yeah, um, they did make a sequel to that, um, and then um, in 1990, there was a Captain America straight to DVD movie, or well, in 1990 VHS straight to video movie. Um, that was a. Uh, um, not good <laughs> from my understanding. Um, but uh, Captain America did not make it to the big screen at all during those years. Uh, around 97, uh, Joe Simon uh, sued Marvel for the rights, the uh, film rights to Captain America. So that's, that's the main reason he didn't show up prior to this. Um, so uh, he, that was eventually settled around 2003. So but this, wasn't there a wasn't there a core wasn't there a version made that, that was almost like the shitty Fantastic Four that Roger Corman made the 1990 straight to video one that I just talked about? Yeah. Okay, I was trying to keep them yeah in order. There, the Red Skull was in that one. Mm. I think. Um, so this is interesting, and I actually didn't know this. So in 2005, um, basically, uh, Marvel Marvel had an agent, <laughs> a 
And the agent in 2005 said, hey, why don't you start making your own movies? <laughs> instead of instead of selling off your characters and marvel said he, he basically went in had a meeting with the marvel board of directors and convinced them of this so this one fucking agent who uh worked uh for uh like just their agency that they employed is the reason we have the mcu now um right well, yeah he's probably like i'm tired of this penny any shit that just produces crap. Yeah. You know, what's 10% of nothing. Right. Um, so they, uh, they, they received a loan for $550 million from Merrill Lynch. Huh. And as collateral, they put up 10 character, they put up 10 properties. Um, Captain America is the first of those properties that actually had a movie made. So which they put up, um, they did not put Iron Man, Thor, or Hulk up as collateral, but Captain America was. So this movie had to make money or they were going to lose Captain America to Merrill Lynch. Probably pay penalties. Yeah. So it's not Merrill Lynch or that agent. It's everybody that got hosed by Merrill Lynch for decades. Yeah. <laughs> That's who sponsored the MCU. Right. Or grandmothers. Um, so, all right, the film, once they started, uh, they decided to go ahead and do the, uh, the, uh, you know, connected universe. Um, this film was offered to a number of people. Um, of course, uh, uh, John Favreau, um, they asked if he wanted to do it. He said no, cause you know, Iron Man. Um, then, uh, um, let's see. They hired David Self to write the script. Um, and Joe Johnston met with Marvel. There wasn't a whole lot of back and forth on this one, like there were with some of the others. Joe Johnston was basically the second one that they hired on to do this. Um, Joe Johnston, of course, uh, we spoke about previously on our Rocketeer episode. He also did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, what? Jumanji. What? Jurassic Park 3. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the... Uh, Script was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely of Marcus and McFeely. Um, <laughs> Attorneys at law. <laughs> um, will, of course, uh, <laughs> see a number of movies that they would go on to write, including The Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, and yeah. Thor The Dark World. And they started out as claims adjusters at Merrill Lynch. <laughs> um, their their first credits um let's see were uh was their first film credit was the life and death of peter sellers which came out in 2004 um but well that wasn't bad i remember that i haven't seen that one but um then they did the chronicles of narnia all all three of the ones that got made and uh after that they just started working in the mcu so um the uh in the lead for Captain America, so there were a number of people up for it, including uh, 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 Ryan Philippi and uh, um, John Krasinski from The Office. He was the main competition to, uh, wow. yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. He was our, the main competition to uh, the man that got it, which is, of course, is Chris Evans, who we've spoken about several times in several other roles. 
Um, this, uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit off air, but like you said, Josh, he was, uh, this kind of was finally the right superhero role for him. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, all so throughout the storylines, not just this. Sorry. Go ahead. So Johnny Storm, was there another one? Johnny Storm. And he was in that, um, that, uh, was it, it, not, wasn't, it wasn't Jumper. Really. It was that other one. Um, uh, flip <laughs> stamp. I don't know. With Dakota Fanning. Yeah. yeah. What was that one? I can't remember what that one was called. It was like, pu- push. 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 Yeah. Like Sapphire. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, all right. Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> as Chester <laughs> Phillips. I can't believe we haven't had him before on this show. Um, we have. What was he, he was in? in? Batman. Oh, fuck. He was Two-Face. Oh, he was Two-Face. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have talked about him before. Um, he won an Oscar <laughs> for The Fugitive. Um, yeah. And he almost has a fugitive scene in this. He's like, I want you to look everywhere. And I just wanted him to be like, in every doghouse, outhouse, boat house. <laughs> boat house, cat house, up house, down house, my house, your house. <laughs> so many. There's a lot of houses. Um, house, house. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got Hugo Weaving as Red Skull, Johann Schmidt. Um, so Hugo Weaving, of course, he was. Have we has he been on before? Honestly, I can't keep track of it anymore. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, um, he was Elrond. He was uh, Agent Smith in the Matrix. He, he's Hugo. He's Hugo Weaving, man. Oh, he was V in V for Vendetta. Forgot about that one. Mm. He also voices Megatron in the Transformers movies. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's crazy to me. So, all right, we got Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Um, she, uh, this was kind of her, th- this is the film that thrust her into like the spotlight. Um, she looks like an old timey dame. She does. She really does. Um, prior to this, she was it just looks good doing it. Yeah, she does. That's what I meant. I love that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. That US, USO 1940s. Um, prior to this, she did a lot of British theater and BBC stuff. Um, so, uh, running through she this. She got her own show. She did as Agent Carter. After this, mm-hmm. yes, she'd be as Agent Carter for two or three seasons, I think. Two two seasons, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> she became Peggy Carter of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes. Um, we, uh, we talked about him on our monthly movie episode, The Martian. Um, but, uh, this is our first time talking about him in, uh, harmless phosphorescence. Um, I've talked about him a lot with our general manager at the (laughs) music store, uh, in that he, uh, is so unrecognizable that like every time you see him in a movie, Mm -hmm. like, wait, is that? Is that? Is that? Yeah. Is that the same guy? <laughs> it, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. It and was. like, like so many in the Marvel universe, like a character that I had no idea I would grow to love as much as I do. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, sort of a side character. Absolutely. Um, Dominic Cooper played young Howard Stark. Um, oh God, let's see. He was in Preacher. Um, he uh, would re- uh, reprise his role in the Agent Carter series. Um, ooh, he was in the uh, the film adaptation of Mamma Mia. 
<laughs> so good for him. You definitely see how he becomes John Slattery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see it for sure. That's an older version of that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I want to say he's, he was really good in Preacher. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's I never actually watched it. Watched. If you haven't watched it. Yeah, you should watch it. And it's fun because so many, um, especially obviously Iron Man movies, but Civil War and such, it begins with a Stark giving an expo. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, I love the Starks. It. Yeah. Um, we got Stanley Tucci. <laughs> the Tooch. Uh, playing Erskine, the, uh, your, 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 uh, your patented MCU friendly scientist who dies right after the hero gets his powers. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, that happened in the comics as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he, he died. He died right after uh, giving Captain America his powers. Okay. In the comics. Well, and it was common. Einstein was the scientist that escaped early. Yeah, yeah. They, they were like, "Fuck that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Tucci. Uh, his first film was Pritzi's Honor. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Ben, you know, he's, oh my God, Easy A. I, I love, oh, he's so funny in that. He is the best in Easy A. I want Stanley yeah. Tucci to be my dad. When he's, he's at the table with his adopted son who is African American, you know, but he's just like, so where are you from originally? <laughs> <laughs> just joking constantly. Uh, my, I, have, have you guys seen the, uh, SNL sketch, um, where the, instead of Gucci gang, they do Tucci gang. <laughs> Tucci gang, Tucci gang. He shows up at the was, end. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. he was Puck in um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Was that right. the one with Denzel? No, no. Um, uh, who was that with? Or oh wait, was was it was it a nineties oh, one? Uh, uh, yeah, the nineties one. Um, uh, who was? Kevin Klein. Oh no no oh the Midsummer Nights. Okay no I was Much Ado About Nothing was the Denzel '90s Shakespeare. Kevin. Okay, okay yeah, that's right. All right. Um, he was also one of my favorite low key comedies is Big Trouble. It's based on a oh, Dave Barry book. Yeah, and everyone's in it. There's so many people, but yeah, he plays a great character. Um. Uh, so yeah, we got Neil McDonough as Timothy Dum Dum Dugan, Derek Lucas, Gabe Jones. Um, Kenneth Choi as Jim Morita. Um, <laughs> I'm from Fresno, Ace. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bruno Ricci as Jacques Dernier. J.J. Field as James Montgomery Fallsworth. Uh, Toby Jones played Armin Zola. Um, Richard Armitage as uh, Heinz Kruger. And uh, let's see. Um, Originally, the senator was going to be played by Jeff Goldblum, which was weird. Um, uh, let's see. Natalie Dormer played Lorraine, the private that uh, makes out with uh, with Cap. Um, probably best known as Marjorie Tyrell in Game of Thrones. Jenna Coleman played Bucky's date at the beginning, uh, best known as the 12th and 13th Doctor's uh, companion. Um, I can't remember the name of her character in Doctor Who. Um, and Laura Haddock played uh, her friend, the date that was going to be that was supposed to be for Steve. That's uh, Meredith Quill from Guardians of the Galaxy. So um, 
James Gunn jokingly says, it's unclear whether he really means it or not, that that's Peter Quill's grandmother. Oh, okay. So um, that basically... Yeah, go ahead. I want to give a a quick shout out to Neil McDonough, who played Dum Dum. Um, He went on to play Damien Dark, a great um, villain in the Arrowverse on the CW. Okay. Uh, Yeah, he's been in Arrow, uh, uh, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, all those. uh, Damien Dark. he's, He's awesome. Huh. Cool. Um, okay, so um, I have a few Rotten Tomatoes reviews here. Um, Daniel B. writes, another classic with a shining performance from Chris Evans. Daniel M. writes, <laughs> real Captain America is 300 pounds, can't read, and never leaves his couch. These movies are part of the reason the USA is crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Right. Stop making those. Cool. Utopia. And this is hilarious. Daniel L writes, while it was a long movie, it still had me entertained the whole time, and the kills were awesome. Four stars. Daniel S writes, even though this movie is two hours, it still had me entertained the whole time, and the kills were awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> Daniel logged in as Daniel L. <laughs> reviewed it and then thought, you know what? I need to review this movie again, but they can't the know it's me. Way. So I'll be Daniel S. Um, That's like shit I used to pull with the Columbia Music House. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, it's got 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, that brings us to the film itself. Fellas, you ready to jump into this thing? Yeah. Uh God damn it, Josh stole it. Is it too late to use the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here we go. This is Captain America, the first Avenger. We open on the Arctic. There's a crew of scientists that have been called in because Russian oil drilling team found something in the ice. It's Didn't sh- it have some Close Encounters vibes at that moment? Close- you know, when like Bob Balaban and Francois Truffaut are in the desert. Definitely yeah. some Close the Encounters storm. stuff. Um, the Thing. The Thing. The thing. Um, I was thinking even the first X-Files movie. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, oh, a, yeah. Lot, there's sure. a lot of those old like suspense, like alien films. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, it's a ship inside the team. Wipe down the ice and see a familiar shield frozen inside. Cut to Norway, 1942. A Nazi splinter cell called Hydra, led by Johann Schmidt, invades an ancient Norse church. They search for and find a glowing blue cube. It's the Tesseract. Apparently, this is where Odin's keeping it these days. Guess so. Um... He, he finds it uh, hidden in uh, a wall carving of Yggdrasil, the tree of the world. The tree of the world, yeah. Yes. By Darty McDart eyes there. <laughs> Where is it? So, uh, <laughs> uh, nowhere. Uh, I don't Certainly know. don't look behind the tree. Definitely not over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's uh, but a. But tying, in, tying into Thor mythology. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was also a Raiders of the Ar- Lar- Lost Ark reference here where uh, Schmidt says, um, while the Fuhrer is busy digging around in the desert for trinkets. Yep. Yeah. Um, for the Ark. Yep. Uh, so we uh, cut to New York. A skinny kid from Brooklyn's trying to enlist under an assumed name. He's classified 4F and turned away. It's Mr. Steve. He has a giant head. Yes, he does that. Oh, my the God. Deep, the, the deep Evans voice uh, in that, was a little disconcerting. Especially, that tiny guy. especially in the first few scenes. Like, I slowly got right. a little more used to it, but at first it was a little off. Yeah. He would have a he'd have a high pitched twangy voice if that was his size as an adult. Yeah, um, some of Steve. Unless he just had a giant Adam's apple, I don't know. Maybe yeah. um, some of Steve's health issues: asthma, scarlet fever, rheumatic fever, sinusitis, chronic or frequent colds, high blood pressure, palpitation or pounding in heart, easy fatigability. <laughs> Heart trouble, <laughs> nervous trouble of any sort, has had household any, con- sort. any sort of nervous trouble. And bone spurs. Yeah. Has had household contact with tuberculosis, a parent or sibling with diabetes. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be alive, let alone in the military. Right. So, all right. So, Steve. After- uh, I, I, I know you were saying it to be funny, but he didn't have bone spurs. No, no, I know he did not. Uh, I, I the president did. I appreciate the ex president. The, the reference. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that for the audience. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, I. No character did not have bone spurs. <laughs> so Captain America did, did not have, have bone spurs. spurs. Oh, so, good point. Good point. So Steve goes to the movies, calls out a jerk who's disrupting the show. They take it outside, and Steve's getting beat up pretty bad. When he's saved by his best friend, Bucky Barnes. Bucky's a lot of what he does is noble, but this was a weird example. Yeah. You know, talking in a movie. Yeah, getting in a fight because a guy's interrupting the newsreel. Right. He should have been stopping a crime, which is a trope, but that would make more sense, you know, to talk about why he's worthy. We know he's worthy later on. Yeah. yeah. Something with a little higher stakes than someone who's annoying in the movies. Yeah. I've done exactly that in Captain Uh, America. Show some respect. Before. He might have said that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the dude just wanted you to fast forward to the cartoon, which. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable sentiment. All right, so um, we uh, we all love our, our our funny funny movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so all right, Bucky's gonna ship out the next day. We learn that Steve's tried to enlist multiple times under different names, but keeps getting turned away. Uh, so Bucky got enlisted in the hundred and seventh, which was uh where uh, Steve's dad was. Uh, in World War One, yes, I think. Yeah. yeah, we learned Steve's dad uh, died in World War One, and his mom died as a tuberculosis nurse. Um, <laughs> so um, they're gonna go to the Stark Expo that night on a double date. Uh, we see young Howard Stark. He's <laughs> given a presentation as the Starks are oh. wont to do. Is this the expo where Howard Stark puts the like map and all the like s- the stuff in the globe? That, that was the seventies one. This was the f- forty three version, mm. but it's the same the same thing. You, you know, no, no, I, yeah, like a World's Fair. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. 
Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. A scientist named Abraham Erskine overhears Steve telling Bucky he's going to try to enlist again. Bucky and the girls continue their date. Bucky's like, all right, two girls for me. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Um, and Steve goes to try to enlist. Uh, Erskine comes in, takes over the exam. He's from Germany. After interviewing Steve, he tells him he's part of a secret government program, and he's going to take Steve in because he just thinks Steve's a nice guy, basically. I I like the exchange. I I liked a lot of um, Erskine's lines, uh, but in this, is, uh, he asks, uh, do, you, do you want to kill Nazis? Is this a test? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the first litmus yes. test you start yeah. with. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in the Alps, uh, Schmidt and his scientist, Dr. Zola, are using the Tesseract to create futuristic weapons of immense power. Um, I guess before we get too far away, so um, th- this, I forgot to mention that um, apparently Joss Whedon did a complete um, pass on this. And in preparation for the uh, Avengers, he, uh-huh. um, he came in and like rewrote basically the entire script. He says he just bumped up, like did a bunch of character work and didn't like change a lot of like the plot or anything like that. But um, um, we Joss Whedon, I know many people do, but Joss Whedon is super, super big on three beats. Like he pushed, he puts yeah. them everywhere. And there were a number of three beats in here that I'm almost certain Joss Whedon wrote in. We've got the shield three beat, where first he uses the trash can, then he uses yep. the door, then he gets his shield, the door of the taxi, then he gets his shield. Um, we've got the uh, dancing three beat. First they talk, they talk about dancing twice, um, and then the third time they talk about dancing, they make the date, and he goes into the ocean. Um, we've got the... Uh, but wait, did you see how that relates later on? That he talks that he can't dance and he maintains that. But the last shot we see of Steve Rogers in Endgame and in the movie, oh, he's dancing with yeah. Peggy in the window. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. It was just sweet. You oh, know. yeah, definitely. They finally got their dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. That was, I mean, yeah, that was the payoff of his, the yeah, <laughs> of the character's 20 films or, you know, however many was actually in the <laughs> MCU. But, um, so then, um, then there's a fondue three beat. Um, yeah. They talk about fondue twice, and then the uh, the third time he explains it's just cheese and bread. But um, there was so um, the whole this is a te- is this a test thing? I feel like that was a three beat, but the third beat wasn't there. I could yeah. so I feel like that something got cut out or. I don't know if it was just a missed opportunity or they nope. like cut, it wasn't the grenade. They cut it. The grenade was the second. Oh, okay. Yeah. The second beat, the third beat. I feel like maybe they oh. just cut, cut a line or a scene somewhere. Erskine got killed before the third beat. Um, yeah, but the second, but I mean, it was, it would have been Steve. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I got it. All right. Anyway, so, um, Back in the USA, we rejoin Steve, who's in training with other soldiers. We meet Agent Peggy Carter of Great Britain, who's helping with the secret government program. We meet Colonel Phillips. punching mouthy recruits. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, we meet Colonel... She, <laughs> she's a great character. She, she is. She yeah. really is. This is probably one of the better comic book... Um, women's comic book characters we've had so far. 
Still doesn't pass the uh, Bechdel test by a mile. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. But, but. Um, in that first scene where, where she tells him, tells that Matthew recruit to step up, he's like, put your right foot forward. Like, okay. And then mm-hmm. just punches him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was. I, I well, to know, get him like, off his balance. He was yeah. trying to teach the hokey pokey. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you approach with the leg you're going to swing and hit with, obviously you plant it and give it strength. But if you're just stepping your, you know, if you're playing the hokey pokey, <laughs> then you've just thrown off your center of gravity. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, yeah, and your balance is probably still on your back leg, so you're easy to tip over. Right, no pressure on the yeah. right. Okay. So um, uh, Colonel Phillips explains they're going to choose one man from the candidates to become the world's first super soldier. Steve's weak, but he's smart and brave. Colonel Phillips wants to pick another soldier, but Erskine likes Rogers. Even he wants to pick the asshole that yeah. got punched. Yeah, the bully. For smart mouth and basic training. Hodge, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh Erskine does pick Steve. They have a heart to heart that night before the procedure. They talk about Erskine's past where he tells them about uh Schmidt, how Schmidt took Erskine's serum before it was ready. It gave him super strength, but had side effects. Um, he tells them it makes, it just amplifies what's inside people. It makes good men great, but bad men even worse. This this was uh, the other good, great Erskine line uh, where he pours them both drinks. <laughs> schnapps. And yeah. it's like, no, no. Yeah, schnapps. Um, it's like, oh, no, you have procedure tomorrow. No, no fluids for you. <laughs> yeah, so he drinks it's it like, himself. Yeah, it's like. I don't have procedure tomorrow. I, I drink it now. But you are going to be performing the procedure, Doctor. Well, yeah, we made that. It's just snobs. Well, and Steve's like, well, then we'll drink it after. And he's like, no, I'm going to drink it right now. No. I poured it into a glass. <laughs> uh, uh, we cut to Brooke. It's, it's poured. It needs to be drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put booze by back in. By me. Unless you stole it from your dad. <laughs> We cut to Brooklyn. Steve and Peggy are on their way to the procedure. Um, they talk about dancing. Um, oh, we, we saw briefly in Germany that Schmidt and Zola um, know that Erskine is in Brooklyn. They're going to send a Hydra agent to kill him and steal the serum. Uh, Schmidt was getting his portrait done. Yes. Yeah, that painter was awesome without a single line. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was. He just looked so terrified. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yes. Steve and Peggy arrive. Rightly so. Yeah. yeah. Right. Imagine if you fuck up that portrait. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so Steve and Peggy arrive. They go into a secret lab under an antique shop. There's various government officials there, as well as Howard Stark and Erskine. They st- strap Steve into the machine, inject him with the serum, turn, on, turn it on. Uh, it sounds painful, but uh, Steve and... saturate him with Vita rays. Yeah. Which is the most 1940s so, sounding bullshit ever. Really, like, really is. Just beaming vitamins into I his body so. with the Vita yeah. rays? I suppose. I don't know why that's so painful. Um, to stimulate yeah. growth? He needs more Dr. McKilligan's patented tonics. <laughs> more, more. Oh, Dr. McKilligan. Um, all right. So uh, when they open up the door, Steve now has the body of a young Chris Evans. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Peggy is nearly as thirsty as uh, as uh, Natalie Portman was in Thor yeah. when she sees him. Um, 
Then uh, one of the government officials it turns out to be a Hydra agent. He sets off an explosion, steals the serum, kills Erskine. He runs away. Uh, Peggy goes out, is trying to shoot him down. Steve pushes I her. I mean, it's their own fault. They allowed too many people into this room. They really did. <laughs> Just top brass needed to see this. Yeah, we didn't need all those like government middlemen. Yeah. Um, so Steve chases the car down through Brooklyn, eventually catching the guy as he makes his getaway into the bay and uh, waiting single person submarine. Steve pulls him out of the sub back onto land. The serum smashes on the ground um, as the Hydra agent commits suicide with a cyanide capsule. And we get our first Hail Hydra. I like the child hostage. Um, the, yeah. the, the Hydra agent throws him in the water. Mm-hmm. And Steve runs over and is like, I can swim. Go get him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I grew up in this fetid, filthy Hudson water. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, back in Germany, Hitler is angry, as he sometimes was. <laughs> I think that's his resting face. Yeah. yeah, he's angry this time specifically at Schmidt. He sends some Nazi commanders to rein him in. Schmidt reveals that he plans on ruling the world without Hitler. He's a strong, independent supervillain who don't need no Fuhrer. Um <laughs> So he kills the Nazis. Which was a theme from the comics. Um, uh, just just to mention, uh, yeah, um, uh, Red Skull totally wanted to take over the Third Reich. Uh, yeah. From his mentor, Adolf Hitler. It was a classic well, it's work. It's kind of that vibe like Sebastian Shaw. Like, they're just so myopic and narrow-minded. Are, yeah, know, are like, they worse than Nazis? Hitler or? would have been happy with Europe. Well, worse, yeah, because he wants domination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but he yeah. also killed Nazis. I mean, <laughs> so is he good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Red Skull Nazi killer. <laughs> Conflicted. <laughs> it's a classic working girl situation. He's just, he's he wants. Not... <laughs> he's Melanie Griffith trying to take over Sigourney Weaver's spot. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't see them as a. Uh, uh, sacred <laughs> you know yeah so i'll fuck them um back in the usa steve is told he'll have to either spend his life in a lab to be studied or he can go be a traveling performer <laughs> hawking war bonds and promoting the war effort he agrees to do that and is promoted to captain though that's largely ceremonial at this point yeah they go through all that trouble they see him in action. They go through the trouble. But even then, it, the whole purpose was a, an army of super soldiers. And then those are the two options for him. Yeah. Oh, we Why only, not send we him into one. battle? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We it's only one. have one. Let's, uh, let's put him on a stage. Yeah, exactly. We won't use yeah. him. We'll just... We found other candidates, but not one of them accosted a guy in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, they don't have the serum anymore. So, yeah, that's right. Um, so, all right, uh, we get a montage. Our first montage. He's performing, acting in movies, traveling. Second montage. What was our first one? Our oh, first the first one was, was the, the training. Steve not doing so well. Yeah, that's right. Montage. That's right. Our second montage. All right. <laughs> so uh, he gets a shield and his costume. He gets the Captain America <laughs> moniker. <laughs> Um, the montage ends in Italy with a regiment of soldiers who just want to see the girls. Oh, there was a, 
There was a shot of Steve um, drawing. Uh, he was drawing a monkey on a on a unicycle. Yeah. Um, and this was because <laughs> he was because he was an artist in the in the comics. Oh yeah. Oh, and he was right. and he was an artist traveling in his van in the 1970s version. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Yeah. We return to that monkey, by but, the way. You see it throughout the the series. It's at like a Ventures Mansion, and it's in his bag of oh. stuff. Oh wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's always funny when people in an audience have vegetables to throw. <laughs> right. but, ostensibly, yeah. but ostensibly, all these soldiers were going to like a girly USO show. So without Captain America, what were the tomatoes for? <laughs> like for, that chick's legs suck for snacking. Yeah, you're, you know. you're gonna just eat a tomato. Yeah. All right. Snacking. I got my I got my hat. I got my ticket. <laughs> I got my rotten vegetables. Yeah. Good to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the penguin who said, "Why does everyone always bring cabbages to a speech?" <laughs> At Danny DeVito in uh, Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, all right, um, he gets reunited with Peggy. They bond a little, and he discovers that the regiment they're with was Bucky's, the 107th. Uh, Colonel's there, too. He tells Steve that Bucky was either killed or captured when there was a battle with uh, Hydra. The prisoners have been captured by Schmidt, 30 miles behind enemy lines, and they can't be rescued. At least 150 men. Yes. Captured there. Uh, so Steve decides to and go. I understand, like you're saying, there was only one. Oh, sorry. I understand you were saying there's only one, and so they kind of wanted to protect him. But the colonel was behind the plan all along, or involved in the plan all along. But he seems to think Steve is bullshit. Like he doesn't even see him as a super. Soldier. Yeah, he really does. Like that, it's kind of weird. Like how useless he thinks Steve is, despite the super strength. So Steve decides to go find Bucky and rescue him. Peggy and Howard Stark give him a ride in Howard's plane. Steve's jealous because he thinks Peggy's involved with Howard. She doesn't really tell him she's not. <laughs> when he asks, she just uh, moves on. It kind of almost makes it seem like she is. Yeah. Um, mm. She's trying to be coy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so but, yeah, fun doing. Yeah. Yeah. She she make yeah she, she leaves it up in the air. <laughs> Uh, so Steve parachutes in, sneaks into the Hydra base, frees the prisoners, including the Howling Commandos, who begin fighting their way out of the base, stealing the Tesseract guns and a tank. Bucky, though, is being held uh, with ex- um, in a science lab with experiments to be done on him. So Steve goes the to find him. Award. Yeah. Steve goes to find him, rescues him, and then he sees a map with all the Hydra facilities on it where they are in Europe. He uh, meets Schmidt who reveals his red skull to him. He doesn't show just everybody his red skull on a first date. They, um, they mentioned Alamogordo, which we all know they tested nukes there, but it's also where uh, Bruce Banner became the Hulk. Mm. And Dr. Manhattan, but they called it Gila Flats, but it's the same. Yeah. So, all right. Um, Red Skull escape and Zola escape. Steve and Bucky join the rest of the soldiers, arriving back at the U.S. base the next day with Steve being hailed as a hero. They escape separately. Uh, Skull goes off in his one-man plane, and uh, he's like, he gives Zola <laughs> the car. He's like, not a scratch, Doctor. Yeah. And it's totally that um, 
Mr. Burns uh, Smithers. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah sir, there are two yeah. seats. I like to put my legs up. <laughs> uh, On the Han to Lando. Yes. Yeah. You're not a scratch. So uh, Steve misses his big medal ceremony. We get our Stan Lee cameo. Um, but uh, he's in uh, London planning to hit all of Hydra's bases. Howling Commandos agree to join him, as does Bucky. Peggy shows up at the bar to flirt a little, and they discuss dancing again. And the next they established oh, we had our... Go ahead. Oh, we had our Stan Lee cameo. I... Uh, yeah, he... I... I said that. I'm sorry, oh. I missed that. It also indicated that you thought be, he'd be taller. You should be sorry, Al. I, I'm going to go flagellate myself. <laughs> uh-huh. it, they, they let us know that Steve has total recall, which, yeah. Yes. A little low-key power. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Howard shows Steve. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Next day, Steve goes to uh, find Howard. Um, on the way, he makes out with Natalie Dormer. He gets caught by Peggy, who uh, is not amused. Then uh, Howard shows Steve his uh, inventions. Um, he gets the vibranium shield. So in this one movie, we've got references to Iron Man, Thor, um, and Black Panther. Hmm. Because it's so fun that they went back in time. It, it, that's what makes it make sense that it came in this order in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Because you'd think first Avenger <laughs> would have been up there. But yeah, I love that we're back in time. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it is. It's fun that it's a period piece. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, uh, and that, uh, I forgot, at the uh, expo at the beginning, there's mm-hmm. um, there's a, uh, somebody's automatic man thing is, uh, uh, is at the Stark Expo, which was the Human Torch. Oh, right. Yes. They even show the, the glass case, right? Yeah. It's inside the glass case. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, so, all right. So, um, yeah. Uh, after getting a shield, Peggy works out some frustration on it. Um, sure. <laughs> then we get a montage of Steve and the Howling Commandos knocking off Hydra bases. Then we get to the train heist. Dr. Zola is on a train, so they're going to raid it. Steve and Bucky get on board. They're fighting through the train. A hole gets blown in the side of it, and Bucky falls out into a ravine, apparently to his death. Yeah. Um. So it's gonna it's gonna be a while till we see Bucky again. Um. They capture Doctor Zola, who is interrogated by the Colonel. <laughs> I liked that line. It's a steak. What's in it? Cow. Yeah, <laughs> that was the most 1940s shit I have ever seen. A steak and a glass of whole milk, and a couple of potatoes. Yeah, yeah, uh, potatoes and broccoli. Yeah, yep, broccoli. Right, steak and milk, man. <laughs> that's <laughs> that. That is some 1940s red blooded man shit. Um, well, and what's in it? It's like, uh, yeah, there was beef in Germany. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was. You know, is it drugged or something? I think is what he was. <laughs> Um, so, all right. Uh, then, uh, so Schmidt, um, oh, okay. So Dr. Zola gives them the location of the last unknown Hydra base, tells them that Schmidt's going to take over the world. Then in London, his, his target is everywhere. Yes. Um, 
In <laughs> London, Steve discovers he can't get drunk. <laughs> Peggy comforts him over the death of Bucky. They plan their uh, raid on the Hydra base. Then the next day, uh, they decide Steve's going to just go up to the front door and get captured. Gets brought before the Red Skull. They trade barbs, but then just as Red Skull is about to kill Steve, the Howling Commandos and the rest of the army uh, attack. We had a Wilhelm scream back at yeah. uh, one hour, 32 minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, one of the guys falling off the motorcycle, one of the Nazis. Mm. I'm sorry. One of the Hydras falling off a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Gave us Wilhelm. Um, very Indiana Jonesy with the motorcycles and the Nazi um, style. Yeah iconography yeah um so all right um peggy carter's there red, red skull flees to a bomber plane with the tesseract on board there was one really weird bad edit right here where steve is swinging and then it just cuts to him running with that like it was it was it was weird did yeah. you notice that yeah I, I i know what you're talking about yeah it was just odd it's like they made a mistake or something and never caught it um so Steve uh, follows on to the bomber after finally kissing Peggy. Uh, bomber's heading to New York. Because it's, it's too fast for him on foot. So yeah. they, they roll up in uh, Schmidt's um, Hydra hot rod. Yeah, Phantom. with the yeah. jets, the jet engine in the back. Um, yeah, so uh, he gets on. Huh. Colonel Phillips, I'm not kissing you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, Steve gets on board the bomber he fights all the underlings and there's a whole sequence where he gets into the little plane then back onto the big plane um, finally he gets to the the cockpit which is like a big room and fights with the red skull during the fight the tesseract gets knocked out of its uh, mooring there where it's powering the weapons red skull picks it up and a portal opens up above him and sucks him away into space so um, the Tesseract melts through the floor, falls into the ice below because they're over the Arctic Circle. Do you think he'll be back? The Red Skull? Nah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, not Hugo. <laughs> yeah, not Hugo. Yeah. Uh, um, so Steve gets behind the wheel of the plane. He contacts Peggy on the radio, tells her there's no time to land the plane. So he has to put it into the water. They have their big talk about dancing. They make a date to meet at the Stork Club in a week. Steve crashes the plane into the Arctic waters, and Peggy loses contact with him. So we get another montage. It's VE Day. Howard Stark finds the Tesseract in the water, but they can't find Cap's plane. We see kids in Brooklyn playing as Captain America. And then we fade to black and cut to Cap waking up in a hospital. It's seemingly the 40s, but he immediately recognizes that something's off. The uh, baseball game happened in 1941 <laughs> yeah. that he's listening to on the radio. That's, he was like, there. I a, yeah, that's, he was there. that seems sloppy to me. Like, real sloppy. I know. It should have been like, damn, I have a bunch, I have a bunch of texts on my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... He bursts out of the fake hospital into New York, 2011, Times Square. Bunch of cars roll up, and out comes Nick Fury, Sammy Jackson. 
Fury tells him he's been asleep for 70 years. Cap is sad because he, he had a date. Roll he's credits. in Times Square and he's like, yes, Bubba Gum Shrimp still exists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we roll credits. Go ahead, Al. Oh, he's all like, uh, Peggy's probably old now. I'm going to go look for one of her female relatives. Exactly. <laughs> so that's not my flavor, gilfs. Uh, but wait, there's more. After the credits, Nick comes to tell Cap he's got a mission, and then we basically just get a teaser trailer for the Avengers. Yep. And that is it for Cap. So that was, uh, that was released theatrically, right? The... Yeah, teaser trailer. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. A, that was the end okay. credits sequence in the theater. Absolutely. Yeah, revving you up. Yeah, yeah, and they all had the title card thing at the end that said like Captain America will return in the Avengers, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Thor yeah. and like Iron Thor, Man. Sir. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was. Um. So uh, I've got a few unanswered questions nothing major um just a few things that occurred to me <laughs> why did the blitz happen <laughs> why, why do bad things happen to good people um <laughs> why did they use hydrogen <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so uh, the first is why is the symbol for hydra an octopus instead of a hydra, hydra. i think aesthetics but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so, but also it's bugged me for years. I mean that they're many reaching, but you're right. Their slogan is cut off a head, two more grow. Yeah, because hydras have multiple heads. So like they could have had a symbol with multiple heads. I don't know. I mean, it starts with just one. Yeah. It always does. Until you cut it off. Yeah. And then two more. And then it becomes multiple heads. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I know. I understand why it just, yeah. Um, so, all right. So, all of those ailments listed on Steve's, uh, Steve Rogers' fake um, papers, mm-hmm. why? Why did he tell the doctor those things? Some of them the doctor right. could diagnose there, but a number of them <laughs> Steve had to explicitly tell the doctor about in his fake he persona. But he can because yeah, he he's given him a fake name he's already. Given him fake names. I thought about that too. Like, well, yeah. Fake names, but I don't that's think, still. The, uh, I don't think he gave him a fake name. He gave him a fake no, uh, state that he was from. No, no, no. He no, gave, they said a fake was, name. They said fake names. Okay. That was that was something. Mitchell was his name in that. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was giving mm. him fake names. He tried five times with with different names each time. Other than that, he's incapable of being honest. Dishonest. I'm sorry. <laughs> I but it's funny, no matter how many um, fake names you use, that's still the guy that's walking into the doctor's office. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The little scrawny. He says, like, even your asthma would disqualify you alone, but everything about him would. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand why he'd keep trying, because he's Cap. He's, yeah. he's Steve Rogers. <laughs> but he maybe didn't need to tell them that he had contact with someone with tuberculosis. Same. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, all right. Um, (laughs) why did they have one extra dose of serum? Just one. (laughs) They made it seem that it's difficult to make. The one? Well, it's not just that, but like, so they brought out the serum that they were injecting Steve with, and there was just one left in the box. And that's the one that the Hydra guy took that later smashed. 
which is why they didn't have any serum left. But when like, they ordered them, that's how they came. <laughs> it's like hot dog buns and and hot dogs. Hot dogs. <laughs> they don't match up. Maybe they were going to inject it into his nether regions, but they were already engorged. Oh, I was going to say, that was one of my questions. Like, did it get injected into his weenus? Or well, was that, the Vida rays what did it? That was a joke that I, I made when I was watching it this, this last time when, like, Peggy came up and was like, oh, did everything get bigger, Steve? Yeah. Like, well, no, they, did, they didn't inject it into that. So I still have the penis of a four-foot man. <laughs> Not that height indicates, but... Yeah. He had large feet. Um, maybe they were going to make a super pet for him? Oh. Like... Yeah. One was Captain for Captain Ruff America? <laughs> oh, Captain Ruff. Baker's dozen. Captain Imeowica. <laughs> uh, Alright, so... Um... That would have been great if Captain America had a super cat. <laughs> he just oh, threw no. at Great, Nazis. Huh? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah. Laser cats. Yeah, laser cats. Uh, all right. So um, then, uh, why why couldn't he steer the plane away from New York? I know it was going fast, but like, like he was steering it. He could steer it down. Why couldn't he steer it away? Controls were damaged, right? I guess. Ish. Yeah, I think I think they said that that like the ailerons are damaged. So he couldn't go any direction, but he could go up or down. Yeah. He still could have. Well, I guess he could have gone up. That's just would have taken him into space. It wouldn't have been any better. Yeah, he I guess he could have gone backwards, upside down, <laughs> and then well, that still would the ocean. He still would have Atlantic Ocean. He still would have currently crashed. Does he like? You can't fly upside down forever. Yeah. He had to put it in the water, and he he knew that. I you mean, the damages were loops. probably. Yep. <laughs> or just come down Sully Sullenberg style. I guess if it was damaged, um, that's good enough. Um, so, uh, and then, so I'm curious about the actual getting frozen in the ice in a survivable way. I'm sure he survived because he has the super soldier serum. Okay, His so, metabolism. So that yeah. that's fine and all, but like, so he crashes. Is he like insta frozen? Is he knocked unconscious and then a block of ice forms around him as he's unconscious? Or is he sitting there for a while like, well, this sucks. And then eventually well, he gets frozen. It might have taken longer, but you can pass out from hypothermia in water. Well, I think the windows, yeah, were all broken. So he probably froze pretty quickly. Just oh, like he was in an, and he was like in an ice tray, essentially. Yeah. He was yeah. Sitting in the cockpit and it formed around. Him. So, huh. all right. I, it's lucky that he froze faster than he could drown because <laughs> he did go yeah. into water. Yeah. <laughs> How does the serum deal with that? Yeah. So, all right. That's all I had. Um, any other thoughts uh, on it, guys? My only questions are unresolved, I think, throughout the entire uh, MCU mm. around the Tesseract. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of it every time I see it. There's a lot of Tesseract questions for sure. I, I will say this rewatch made me think like maybe the way that they transfer the energy from the stone itself to the weapons is because it's the space stone. Mm. But also, mm. I don't know. 
But you're right. People acquire it, and there seems to be no explanation. Oh, yeah. So it if seems o- like Odin siphoning bring... power from it, yeah. Why right. was Odin? Why was Odin keeping it on Earth? That doesn't seem like How the safest. Get... It's the jewel of his his treasury. They said so. So you're you're gonna let well, the guy, the Midgard's his... people have we it? We see it in his armory. So how did he get it at the bottom of the ocean? I don't know. It's just odd. Well, no, no, because because uh, Howard Stark picks it up. So then Shield has it. No. Oh. Okay. And Odin doesn't get it back until they get it from Loki in the Avengers. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, why he was keeping it on Earth in the first place, it just doesn't seem like a very safe place. Yeah. Asgard would have been safer, I feel like. Well, you think you'd keep a closer eye on it, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you only have one well, eye. <laughs> you want things to be close yeah. to keep it. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was that side. thing like... Like, someone would assume it's in Asgard, but nobody would assume it's in this. I don't know. Was Odin quietly supporting the Nazis? Oh, no. He was a sympathizer. Oh. I sympathize. So. He was all, they love my operas. That's true. Wagner. Uh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his? Um, Red Skull says on the wings of the Valkyrie. Well, yeah, actually, um, Hitler was obsessed with the Nordic yeah. gene pool. Yeah. He yeah. was not blue. Yeah. He was not blonde and blue. I know he was yeah. not. Uh, so, all right, um, you guys ready to rank it? Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's pretty high up, right, guys? I, oh, I. Oh, yeah. I, I think so. I think so. So, um, right here at number seven, we got Thor. At number two, we got Iron Man. Those are our top two. MCU movies. I don't think it's better than Iron Man, but I think it's better than Thor. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I love The Dark Knight. I love Batman Begin. I like. I love Spider Man too. Yeah, Iron Batman. Man's a two. Yeah. Well, it kicked off the MCU and it really did yeah. it well. It was just it on its own as it a movie. I found it to be just yeah. incredible. It was one of my favorite viewing experiences we've had so far in this. Well, and it set the tone. Like, we're taking this seriously. This is yeah. a world. It's not like, it's not goofy. It was a breath of fresh air. Iron Man did not feel mm-hmm. like other superhero movies at the time. When we when we got to it, it felt like something new. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um. Uh, where so I personally think it's better than probably the first Spider-Man. Where I start having, yeah. where I start debating with myself is around Spider-Man Two, Batman '89. That area I don't is what I'm kind of looking at and thinking about. It's not as memorable yeah. as either of those movies are. Not that that's necessarily a uh, metric that yeah. we try. I think I just think Sam Raimi really got into it with Spider-Man Two and. I think it's a great movie. Batman 89 means so much to all of us, but as much as I liked Thor, I think it's better than Thor. Um, I think I could argue with you that it's better than the first Spider-Man. As far as an introduction to a well-loved known character. I mean, even that aside, I think as a movie, it's probably as good or better than the first Spider-Man personally. That's true, because that ended on a really lame note. I know it was from the comics, but the way he vanquished the goblin was just... Yeah. It wasn't the Nazis. Yeah, it's better than the first Spider-Man. Yeah, and this expanded the universe in interesting ways. Also. Set a lot of stuff up. First Infinity Stone connected Thor and Iron Man. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. Black Panther. Well, and yeah, shit. yeah, exactly. And uh, it did the Frozen thing, and it wasn't cheesy. I mean, your questions totally made sense, but yeah. they pulled that aspect off without it being a groan. Oh, hey, and they it, didn't go ahead, Al. I was just—they didn't show him frozen, and I thought that was a great choice. Yes, I it agree. was because that would have been yeah. cheesy. That would have been yes. cheesy. Um, made, would have made your question bigger because yeah, he would have been in a coffin size ice block. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say if we believe James Gunn, then it also connects to Guardians. Cool. Um. So okay, so between Spider-Man Two and Spider-Man. Yeah, we all agreed on that. Yeah, yeah. It's not better than the first Batman. It's no. So, all right, so we'll put it right there at number six. Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, our number six. That is up there. Um, it will be unseated, I believe, but that's a good. It belongs there. Oh yeah, I think there's going to be a number of movies over the next. <laughs> um, like 80 movies we do <laughs> that a number of them will be up there a number of them won't be I I forgot that Thor landed so high um, uh, I'm glad because it's sort of an underappreciated superhero movie yeah I think that was our final verdict like we yeah. hadn't seen it as much and then we went back and we were all like huh, I, I think yeah. I think in my mind I was getting Thor and Thor the Dark World kind of mixed together because I don't yeah, think Thor the Dark World is going to hold up as well as the first Thor. I agree. Uh, I don't remember it at all. It's all a dark blur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. That is it for uh, Captain America, which brings us next week. We will be watching Chronicle. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, It's a found footage movie. A found oh. footage superhero movie. That's huh. interesting. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. I'm aware of it, but uh, I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's next week. <laughs> will it unseat Captain America the First Avenger? <laughs> Only time will tell. Uh, and thank you, future, uh, or thank you, audience, for uh, putting up with our difficulties. We finally got it. Yeah, we did. We did. We had we had some uh, technical difficulties this time, but uh, we got through it. So um, that's it. Thank you, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us, listening to us on Harmless Phosphorescence. This has been your host, Throw Smiley, and I'm off to personally escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. <laughs> I'm Josh Cece, and it's funny you say that because I've knocked out Hitler over 200 times. Who will give the Axis the sack and is smart as a fox? I guess me, Brian Lush. <laughs> I'm Alaric Weber, lab rat and dancing monkey. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks, guys.